said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what may I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. The word of God for the people.
tear up that place in there. So if you have had a chance to come visit UBC West, please, please uh, check out River Forest, okay? Today we're talking about friendships. We're talking about being deeply rooted in the work that it takes to not only be a good friend, but to cultivate new friendships. And I like having friends. It's, I take it very seriously. And actually, I make a habit of calling my siblings my friends as well, because I think that's where we learn how to be a friend. If we're blessed enough to have brothers and or sisters, uh, that's the first introduction to true friendship that, at least in my life, that I've experienced. So before we go any further, I want to just pause and give God honor through a word of prayer. Whatever your prayer posture is, please feel free to take that. Creator God, today we celebrate the struggles and the victories of folks who have a history that has been for too long been misread misinterpreted. God, our country is moving into a place of celebration on 4th of July. But before we get there, God, we have to celebrate the triumphs that were rooted in the stories of slaves, of people who were taken without consent, who helped build this country who helped create the cities, the infrastructures, the relationships, the generations that have brought us to where we are today. So for those people, God, for my people, today we say thank you, Jesus. God, we know that fathers have been under attack for generations. But today we call out fathers in a space of blessing and gratitude for every father, for every grandfather, for every godfather, God, for every uncle who has stood in the gap, for mentors and neighbors who have picked kids up from day camp, for pastors who have dropped by to drop off Christmas presents, God. For those of us who needed that positive influence, God, today we say thank you for fathers. God, in this space, we know that all are welcome and that we know you're in this place. But before we go any further, we thank you for this community of urban village that has created a space where folks can consecrate their sexuality and their spirituality. To bring their whole selves into the room without sacrificing any relationship or any part of their own existence. And so for our pride community, God, we say thank you. We ask that you speak through me today, God, and that we share in this understanding and this story of your prophets in Jesus' name. So today I call this holiday the Bishop of Holidays <laughs> because thank you, and I know you already with me. I thank you, my sibling. 
So I got on my dad hat that my kids got me for Christmas after we took a trip to the mouse. I got on my Juneteenth shirt, which was designed by Shalisa Dene and her company. Uh, we go way back from our church of record. That'll come up later too. And then I got on my prime kits, my chucks, because as a queer single dad, who also happens to be African American, I think that I deserve to celebrate myself today. What do y'all think? I was going to be close to my parents. We were going to have a similar experience. And 
I could get a little childcare if I needed to while I was on vacation. So I followed my mom's lead and I wondered if my dad were booking, even though it's Father's Day, I'm gonna come for him just a little bit, would I have had as much ease? And I have to say no, because my dad doesn't have a history of booking vacations for us. It's always been mom. She's the money lady. She's the one that knows how to find a good deal. And I've experienced this with a lot of people, friends who want to take vacations together. Even my kids, they're like, hey, dad, can we go to California during the summer for vacation? Or my daughter, hey, can we go visit Connecticut? Because I'm thinking about applying to UConn for college. And so I have to, all these people in my ears trying to get me to follow their decisions when it comes to vacations. But you know, we spend a lot of money on vacation, so it's an important decision to make. Have you ever found it difficult to follow someone, even when they had the best of intentions? A best friend, a supervisor, even a, a relative, even a parent. Have you had difficulty following someone? Just let that s settle for a moment. And then I want to follow up with a second question. What makes a person worthy of our attachment? What makes a person worthy of our attachment? At some point, do we shift from calling someone a colleague, a friend, an associate, a church member, like, how do we step over the threshold from, this is my church friend Drew, or my church member Drew, to this is my friend Drew? What happens in the interim? How do I get from, this is my colleague John, to this is my friend John? So I have a friend who I met through Urban Village Church, I asked her permission if I could use her name today, and she said, that's fine. Her name is Kristen, and we've been friends for almost a decade. We started out singing on the worship team together at High Park Woodlawn, and then our relationship blossomed. Uh, we both became foster parents. Our families expanded. We both went through seasons of grief and loss in different ways. And there came a day where I moved into my new home and I just didn't have enough hands available. I needed some support. Kristen popped up, came in my kitchen, and when I tell you, she took my entire kitchen and set it up for me. My bowls are still where she put them. My plates are still where she put them. My cups are still where she put them. And after that, I think we just started playing like hopscotch, like, how can I help you? How can you help me? How can I help you? How can you help me? And we went, we've gone through this cycle of service to one another that has created a deep, meaningful friendship. Our kids play together. When she's going to the zoo, she invites me. When I'm having a birthday party for my son, I invite her. And that brings me to, the next part of this story. 
My son Isaiah had a birthday party last week, and Kristen is who I, I call her my barbecue buddy. She comes into the backyard when I'm grilling, and normally everybody else who comes for a party or an event at my house, they're inside and they're hanging out, they're chilling. But Kristen always comes and hangs out with me. That's where we play life catch up. You have those friends where you see them a couple times a year, and even no matter what the topic is or what the activity is, you all have to catch up. And so we play life catch up at the grill. And then other people started coming out in the backyard. I guess the music was popping that day. And so we had a little company come out in the backyard. And I started having to introduce her to person after person after person. And as I was introducing her, I was conflicted. I was like, okay, well, this is my friend, Kristen. I was like, oh, this is my friend from church, Kristen. Then somebody else comes, oh, this is my foster parent friend, Kristen. And I just had to settle. I said, you know what? You're just my friend, girl. It's too much to have to keep telling everybody how we're friends. But I found value in the fact that it was difficult for me to compartmentalize our friendship. Raise your hand if you have at least one friend that just took over your life in four, five, six different areas of your life. If you don't, keep coming to Urban Village. You will find one. <laughs> So Kristen and I, we talk about relationships, we talk about Jesus, we talk about the disparities in neighborhoods that don't get enough resources. But at the end of the day, she's my friend. We go out, we have dinner sometimes. And one word kept circulating through my mind when I was thinking about my friend and when I was thinking about the story of Elijah and Elisha. And that word is service. There's a concept that we use here at Urban Village Church. It's inclusion. When I first came to UBC, I had some uncomfortable experiences because of the fact that I was trying to bring my whole self, and part of my whole self is my church history. And I have a lot of really great experiences in church. But also, my greatest hurt in my life has come from worship experiences. And so as I was struggling and battling with this text in 2 Kings, I was reminded that God didn't tell us that our lives were going to be perfect and beautiful and always sunshine. When you are blessed, when you make a decision to serve in your community, when you make a choice to be part of a worship team, you're, come on now, tip. You're not always gonna have a great rehearsal. When you are volunteering at Proviso in the food pantry, there's gonna be a day where a box is gonna fall on your toe. It's part of the journey. But I appreciate the fact that I can say I have not just one, but I have probably a dozen friends with whom I, I share some interesting pathways of how our friendships became. So again, what makes somebody worthy of being called our friend? Have we positioned ourselves to be friendly? And so as I think about service and I think about Elijah and Elisha, I'm brought back to this idea of service, but there's a uniqueness 
that the scholars say uh, was the groundwork of this relationship. Some people would say that Elisha was Elijah's servant. Some people would say that Elijah was Elisha's master. But I want to challenge you today, with your permission, I'd like to call Elijah a mentor and Elisha a protege. In my own life as a teacher, in my own life as a person of faith, even in my own life as a father, I found myself starting friendships, starting relationships that begin with me serving somebody else. Even with my current, like who I am today is mostly because of having the dad that I had growing up. My dad was an elementary school music teacher, retired from teaching music. I became a high school music teacher. My dad is a pastor, an apostle. Here I am standing <laughs> before you today. My parents had six kids growing up, and this one is probably just God laughing. You know, she's up there just, you know, tickled pink because I, after I got divorced, I had one kid. I don't know how I ended up with six kids as a single person, um, but thanks be to God that uh, adoption and foster care was put in my heart. If you're interested in that, by the way, uh, please see me after service and I can connect you to some resources. So I have some really strong relationships that started with me serving someone else's cause. Is God calling you to support your supervisor in a project? I found that when my principal, Valen, tells me to do something, a lot of times I find my biggest growth in that school year by just doing it. Uh, when I, our school didn't have a GSA, a Gender and Sexuality Alliance, formerly known as the Gay Straight Alliance. And the students were very, very interested in having this club. And at the time, I was like, you know, I'm out here far enough. I'm out here far enough. And even though I feel like I'm a bold Christian, I'm bold uh, ally for a member of the LGBTQIA P plus community. I have to add the P because I identify as pansexual. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to sponsor the GSA. I felt like I had enough going against me. I had enough isms and labels on Drew. I didn't need another thing. But I did it, and four years later, I find that some of my closest relationships with students have been through the GSA. I have received resources and even made friends from uh, Center on Halstead and uh, the Bridge Project just by saying yes. And so in this season, I'm gonna encourage each of us to look around the room. Is there somebody in this space? Is there someone watching on the live stream who you need to say yes to. The next time somebody needs somebody to help them move, do you have a yes in your spirit? The next time we need volunteers for communion, by the way, we need volunteers for communion. <laughs> do you have a yes in your spirit? When your, your kid has a friend that wants to come over and you're like, no, COVID, like, no, we're not doing that, no friends. Is there a way for you to be creative 
and let's bring some lemonade on the front porch, grab some cookies, put some Legos out. Is there a way for you to give a yes? Even though I started out asking everyone what makes somebody worthy of being our friend, I want to turn it around. What positions us to be approachable? What makes Drew a friendly person? What have I done? What have I said? How have I postured myself through Christ so that people can feel comfortable coming up to me and saying, hey, Drew, um, I heard that you live on the south side. I have a friend who lives such and such. Maybe we could grab coffee one day. What is it about me that is so holy? And by holy, I don't mean perfect. I just mean part of the body. What is it about me that attracts light? Elisha received the garment from Elijah and immediately decided that it was time for him to make a shift. Imagine that he was running a business and he said, all of a sudden, I'm going to liquidate my business and throw a huge party for all of my employees. This is essentially what happened at the beginning of the Elijah, Elisha mentoring and protege experience. After six years of serving Elijah, Elisha experienced what we see in today's text, which is his friend, his mentor, his supervisor, is about to be called up into glory. And he asked for one thing. He could have asked for anything. Elijah said, what can I do for you? And Elisha said, I want a double portion. Now look, I'm a dad and I've got a little meat on my bones, but anytime I hear the word double portion, it's a good thing, okay? That's a good thing. You ever walk, uh, walk you know, well, goodness gracious, I'm about to tell, tell a story on myself. You ever went to McDonald's? Don't judge me. You ever went to McDonald's and got that bag, had that extra fry in there? You're not gonna take them, excuse me, you gave me a double portion, let me give this back to you. No! Y'all have a good quarter, extra job, right? You have a good quarter in sales? You get that bonus, excuse me, uh, Mr. Rockin' Smith. Um, <laughs> you've given me an extra portion in my check. Uh, how do I return this? Cash app, Zelle, Venmo. No! You keep that double portion, right? You make a little extra food. You got some extra pancakes left over. Kids all eyeballing it. Four kids, two pancakes. Cut them in half. They all got a double portion. Wait, I don't think it works that way. So the only thing that Elisha asked for was a double portion. And scholars say that Elijah actually completed eight miracles in his lifetime. I'd be happy with just one, <laughs> okay? So one, one miracle would have been great, but Elijah, according to scholars, completed exactly eight miracles. We can talk about what they were in another sermon. It is said that Elisha performed 16 miracles, one of which I wrote a song about. No, I'm not going to sing it today. Uh, but it's called Shut the Door. And in the story, we're taught, we're, we hear that Elisha came up to a widow who needed some help. She was about to be evicted, she and her kids. 
And Elisha said, hey, go grab like as many vessels as you, as you can. And she was able to gather oil and sell it. And then she used what was left and she and her kids, they made it. They made it through their tough season. A lot of times when we go from serving someone else, serving a boss, serving a pastor, serving a parent, I see some young people in here today, count it all joy when you get to love on somebody else, when you get to serve somebody else, because one day you're gonna be the one that's being called to somebody else's need. And when that day comes, you're gonna take a deep breath and say, thank you, Lord. So what makes us cross the threshold from service into friendship? I'll tell you this, I began my journey at UVC as a co-worship leader, and I did feel like I was serving. And I, and I went to Pastor Emily a lot for pastoral counseling. But today I can say that I consider Emily, Hannah, John, Juan Pablo, D'Angelo, I consider them to be my friends because after almost a decade of service to this community, our relationships and our experiences have now created those unique pathways. They say that the way that you change organizational behavior is by um, in, install, instilling metacognition into the workplace. I don't know if anybody studies that. But they say that metacognition is basically creating new neurological pathways. And so as a teacher, I'm thinking, how can I get my kids to do this, right, in music class? But before I get there, I just want to think about the fact that if I'm serving, I'm working in one lane. Some people might call that one spirit, right, a, a servant spirit. If someone is my friend, that's a different pathway. That's a different journey or a different feeling. Some would also call friendship a kindred spirit. And so if we're thriving, if we're to, to live in community with each other, if we are to serve each other, if we're to work miracles out in this gorgeous city we call Chicago, how many of us are willing to cross over into the threshold where we not only serve, but we're willing to give we're willing to say yes when there is a need. I want a double portion. How about you? Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for fathers. We thank you for those who are willing to serve, whether voluntarily or voluntold. God, we thank you for a space where we bring our full selves and we make a choice to say yes. We thank you because we know that we can ask you for anything. A cattle on a thousand hills could be ours if we just ask. But God, today we thank you for wisdom, the wisdom to choose friendships that will grow deeper because they are bound by you. We thank you for the spirit of service that transcends every UVC site. We thank you for service opportunities that bring us together from the south side to the north side to the west side to the west suburbs, God. 
We ask that you allow us to carry the spirit of service so that we can be friendly and thus create new friendships. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.